Welcome to Building Safe Workplaces, casual talk about serious matters. I'm your host, Tommy Nip with Hask. Today we're going to talk about what are facilities doing during this pandemic. I have a special guest today, Dr. David Womack from Covestro. David, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, I am the safety and health manager with Covestro LLC out in Baytown, Texas. Um, and I'm also the site's pandemic manager. Nice, nice. So, and of course, you are a doctor, right? Well, not a medical doctor. I've got a PhD in chemistry. Excellent, excellent. So, Dr. Dave, as, as I always have called you. Uh, so let's get right into it. As as the as the pandemic coordinator or the pandemic leader uh, for your site, how how has COVID nineteen affected you guys from from the very beginning till till now? So most uh, most salaried employees are working from home, uh, and uh, they've done that since mid March. Operations personnel, uh, we completely separated them, so they're not even in the control rooms anymore. They have computers that they operate the, uh, the processes from an office, basically, uh, at work. And uh, they don't even do um, um, shift relief anymore. Now they're doing that by telephone. So the, the workers are actually isolated so that they don't... Uh, uh, we have any contact tracing or anything like that, they don't get stuck in that and, and end up having to quarantine a whole shift. So that's interesting. You've basically taken the control room and divided it up and moved it to separate offices. Is that what you've done? Yes, that's correct. Oh, that's nice. So we had all these extra offices when the employees were sent, when the salary employees were sent home. Oh, okay. Well, what was it like when it first started? I mean, I'm sure it was a nightmare, right? When when because uh, so, I mean all of us had to deal with the the difference in information that was being put out and you you shouldn't wear a face mask and all of a sudden you should wear a face mask so so how did how did a facility as big as Covestro handle stuff like that so it, it really was very chaotic I mean uh, we had just rolled out uh, Microsoft Teams and mostly employees didn't really know how to use it uh, when they got sent home uh, they found out their internet wasn't as adequate as they should be to handle something like teams and most employees didn't have a headset so you know they were trying to speak through their computers and there was a lot of echo and, and just disruption in the meetings and it took a while for them to all get get organized and get that worked out um and you know for us at the plant who were trying to uh trying to keep everybody safe you know there are a lot of challenges everything kept changing and, uh, uh, you know, the first thing everybody said was, oh, we all have to have N95 masks to really protect ourselves and everybody else. And, of course, they weren't available. Uh, they had all been taken up by the medical pe uh, personnel, which they should have. Uh, we tried to get some from China. We did uh, from some of our colleagues in China. And uh, when we got them, we realized, well, you know, the medical professionals really need these more than we do. So we donated them to the local hospitals and emergency response groups. And the next thing you know, everybody was saying, okay, well, then let's go to the next thing, which would be this, the disposable surgical mask. Well, we tried the same thing. We, we, we were able to get a bunch of those, uh, obtain them. And, uh, but then the same thing happened. The medical industry really needed them, and uh, we ended up donating all of those. We said, okay, here's what we really need is something. That's, and, we, and we knew we weren't going to have a, a, a good supply of those keep coming in. So we thought to ourselves, let's go to the facial coverings cloth facial coverings because they do a, a very good job as well and uh, when we started trying to buy those 
when we tried to well, start started to buy those, um, they had a really long lead time and we couldn't get them in. And um, and then we when we did get them in, they weren't the right size. They didn't fit the employees. Of course, the employees never wanted to wear them. And um, so then we started looking at different options. So we started buying different types of uh, cloth facial coverings. And then we ended up and looked at these things called the neck gaiters, of course. And uh, uh, because we, some at the, at the time, some of uh, the reports coming from the CDC said that those are not from other hospitals were showing those were not as effective. We told the employees they had to double them, which was another whole problem. They didn't want to <laughs> double them. <laughs> so, but we're still allowing them. Uh, we do we do monitor that, make sure they double them though. Right, right. Yeah. So, so the, your the, the neck gaiters have have been a, a a very popular thing. Of course, all masks have been popular through this pandemic, but. Uh, you see a lot of the neck gaiters coming through, and, and, and there is a little bit of, you know, debate whether they're as effective as the mask and things like that. So, but I think just working in a mask, I mean, I, you know, so sometimes it's difficult when you're, when you're just going out to grocery shop and you have to wear this mask for hours at a time when you're in the grocery store doing your grocery shopping is difficult. It must be difficult for, for the, the, employees to have to wear a mask while they're working and and how are you what kind of concessions have you made for that as far as is there a place where they can take their mask off and and, and kind of kind of get a little bit of a, a, a reprieve from having to wear that mask yeah so that was one of the nice things about having the operators go to a separate office is they could take the mask off they go into an office and shut the door right and uh, also we, we've made it very clear if you're out in a if you're out, out outside somewhere and you're not within anywhere near anybody else, yeah, please, you know, take your mask off and, and, and catch your breath. And even people working in cubicles, we can't really allow them not to work, uh, take their mask off inside the cubicle, but we encourage them to go outside and take breaks and get out of those masks. Nice. So during during early on in the pandemic, of course, uh, you know, the, the mandates came down from the state and, and from the federal government to shut down, right? So we did a, a little bit of an economic shutdown in Texas, kind of shut down. We shut down bars and all this kind of stuff. Did that really affect the, the facilities any? I mean, I know that most of your workers were essential, but did it have any uh, residual effect of the economic shutdown? No, not really. Uh, we were already in a, um, in a bad economic situation anyway. Um, uh, but actually we made a very nice recovery, uh, after the, uh, after the initial part of the pandemic, the auto industry started picking back up, which is our bread and butter, the appliance industry. And, uh, and so they've come back on and we were, we're pretty much sold out to the end of the year. And, uh, so we're doing really well there. Um, some other things that, that were affected, that affect us was, uh, like our safety. So, you know, we had to cut back on a lot of, um, projects. Uh, we didn't have engineers in the control rooms every day trying to tweak our units and make them better. So the operators had more time to relax and do their job. And what we found is they've had no OSHA recordable injuries since, um, well, for the last 400 days. And, um, and that's for the whole site, not just the Covestro employees, but we're talking all of our contractors, the third party vendors, everybody. So with maybe with a little bit of a less project and, and, and workload, people have been able to focus more on their job and it's 
created a heightened sense of safety. That's that's actually a good thing that's come out of this pandemic, right? Yeah, I mean, initially we worried we worried that maybe things were still happening and we weren't there to see it. But you know, after talking to the employees and being out there personally observing, I don't think that's the case. I think the employees are taking their time and doing their job correctly. Well, that's actually good. So we talk about you know. Uh, bringing in new employees obviously is have you changed any of your screening criteria as far as getting new people in the plant because you have nested contractors and essential workers there but as you know contractors can come in and out every day are, are there any particular special precautions say if a new contractor comes on site and he's got to bring he's got to introduce you know 30 or 40 more people to your site that day or something like that what, what are you doing to, to bring new people in or, or new hires, things like that? So as I mentioned earlier, so we're not, there's not a whole lot of projects, so we're not bringing a whole lot of new people. Now we're making sure that they get our, our uh, pandemic plan training as part of, uh, uh, you know, and that's a, that's a face-to-face training we try to do. Uh, we don't want, we want to be able to let, let them ask questions, right? Um, so we, everybody's um, socially distanced and everybody is wearing a mask and we do still have our face-to-face training where we let them ask questions but yeah we've added the pandemic training now you know of course we're still doing we were still doing temperature screening for anybody who's coming on the site for the first time and also we're actually doing a questionnaire but after that we kind of we don't we don't do those anymore okay okay so that that leads us to the next question is is what and and really the the focus of this whole this whole podcast was you know, and you've mentioned so many things already, but, but what what changes has the facility had to make to your day-to-day operations to protect workers? You already mentioned that you've basically taken the control room, which anyone who works in a facility knows the control room is like a, a hub of information with all these people coming in and out and, and communication. You said you've already taken the, that control room and, and isolated it and moved it to separate offices, which is amazing. But what are some other things that you, you guys have done uh, in the pandemic to to try to isolate your workers or protect them? So we really didn't do a lot of technology. Uh, we looked at a lot of technology, but we just found that it wouldn't wouldn't really work for us, like the temperature screening. A lot of companies have used, uh, have moved to the uh, automatic temperature screening, like I noticed you have in your lobby here at the council. And uh, it works great indoors. It really does. But uh, you try putting that at a turnstile when it's outside in the weather and the sun and the rain, and uh, that it doesn't work at all. And even if you try to be able to shed and, and funnel people through that, uh, it, it still doesn't work because we don't have the internet connection or you know th- those sort of things. But also, if if, if you create these sheds and, and things where you have the temperature scanning, you're also making people kind of bottleneck, and you're getting to where they're going to stand in line. And you know, if you've been to grocery stores, not everyone respects that whole six foot social distancing, right? So if you can imagine, you know, uh, trying to have a turnstile where a hundred people are coming through and, and, and have to be there by seven o'clock between six thirty and seven o'clock, they all have to go to funnel to one spot. That line, you're, you're basically creating a potential for the virus to spread, right? Yeah, we've noticed that even 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 without that, I mean, in the turnstiles, uh, people will still gather and we have to go out there and talk to them about social distancing and they're not always receptive to that even though they're wearing masks they, that was their excuse i'm wearing a mask i don't need social distance but they don't understand you need to do both right right i think that's one of the the challenges uh especially for a facility but not only just facilities but in general because as a as a people 
we just like to congregate. We like to get together and talk, right? We like to, to, to see each other. And, and that's been a very uh, difficult and, and it's, it's been a challenge for everyone in every industry. Uh, so what, what do you think has been the best thing you've done as far as if you could, if you could say Covestro, we, you know, we done a lot of things, we explored a lot of things, but the best thing we did was, and what would that be? So I would say it was the segregation of the operators and the units, uh, you know, no longer sitting in that one room having six people together, uh, you know, all wearing masks, miserable, uh, you know, and, and without management there to make them wear the masks, we don't even know really what was going on when we weren't there. Mm -hmm. But uh, now that they all have their own offices, they disinfect them, you know, when they get there, they disinfect them when they leave. I feel really good about the situation. We actually have not had a COVID transmission at the site. That's amazing. Yeah, it is. It really is. That's amazing. That's awesome. So, so if, if, uh, what kind of, what kind of information or, uh, or where did you get all this information? I guess is what I'm trying to say. Uh, so when you were coming up with your plan, obviously you're the pandemic leader. You, you, you had to come up with all these new ideas and these new implementations. Where's, where did you get your source of information? Did you, was there any kind of sharing that, you, that went on? So let me start by saying we've had pandemic plans since I took this position in 2003. We've always had a, a pandemic plan. And through every little scare that's come up, uh, uh, we've always made the plan better right? Mm -hmm. And uh, when this one started, we pulled the plan out and we kept modifying it as things kept changing for this plan. And uh, so we had our medical department who was looking, was receiving information from the CDC, going through their literature daily, keeping up with what was going on there. Uh, I was getting information from the Texas Chemical Council uh, through the East Harris County Manufacturer Association. Uh, those those groups not only had information or was gathering information from outside sources and, and distributing it, but they were also doing surveys between uh, people in the plants, and uh, I thought that was uh, that was really good. And then sharing that information, uh, there's a group called ORC HSE. Uh, they're now part of the National Safety Council, and they they have been uh, a, a really good source for all of the regulatory requirements, and so I've been keeping up with them. Okay, and so. So you were using CDC, Texas Chemical Council, East Harris County Manufacturers, ORCHSC. Uh, but you said something interesting. You said you had a pandemic plan since 2003. Yes. So you were pulling it out and looking at it. So as, as far as I know, we've never really had this pandemic scare to the level that we've had it this year. How did your plan, when you first pulled it out and looked at it, how did it shape up to what the actual reality was? Because I, I, would, I would think that pandemic plans that we've thought of in the past, you know, we probably had great ideas, but when you're actually in it and, and all the changes that were going on, especially through this early on, how did it, how did it shape up when it was freshly pulled out of the box, if you will? <laughs> so it, it had a lot of great stuff about social distancing in it. Uh, but you know what? It didn't tell you how to make, how to implement social distancing. It didn't really how to, it didn't tell you how to do it. Uh, it just said you needed to social distance. It talked about a lot of signage you needed to put up throughout the plant. And uh, that was useful. Actually, we actually used some of that signage. But one thing it didn't bring up was uh, uh, facial coverings. 
And so we thought that was uh, uh, new. We, we had to keep updating the plan as went. And we, there was a lot of good theoretical things in the plan, but there wasn't a lot of practical meat, you know, to mm-hmm. application wise. And so we had to we had to build that back in. And how how is that? How has this experience helped you to develop those plans moving forward? Obviously, now that you've had experience with it, you're going to be the expert. Hopefully, knock on wood, wherever you are, that we don't have another chance to use a, an updated pandemic plan. But, but at least now that we've we've done it, we we kind of have an idea of of what we would do going forward, right? Right. I mean, if you think about it, the last pandemic in the in the United States was like the 1920s. I mean, we've had some, a few scares along the way, uh, West Nile virus and and things like that. But but those never really came to fruition as being a full pandemic. And uh, but the one thing about it this time was, well, we're saving all the stuff electronically this time, all this experience, and I really believe that's going to help us in the future. Excellent, excellent. So, uh, what about all these new measures that you guys have been implementing, uh, from segregating the uh, control rooms, uh, the social distancing, the face coverings? Are are you going to keep that moving forward? Is there anything that you implemented that you said this is actually a really good idea, even after the pandemic pandemic is over? Is there anything that you're looking at keeping? So I think you'll still see a lot of uh, Teams meetings in the future. I think uh, that'll cut down a lot of the travel. uh, And I think uh, that's something the company will definitely keep. Uh, But when there's required to be face-to-face, if there's value in that, uh, I think we'll we'll have face-to-face meetings. I don't think anybody wants this new norm, as people call it, to continue. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) I think people want to go back to working face-to-face and collaborating again. I'd say one of the things that uh, we've already even dropped was this whole business about temperature screening. I mean, we we actually did that for six months. Uh, we used a third party uh, because the way we're set up, we're not really, it's not easy to do temperature screening at our site. And uh, for six months, we measured, you know, you know, a thousand people a day's temperature and never saw an elevated temperature. And it was pretty costly. So it was a lot of cost with little value. So uh, uh, that was something we've already dropped. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're now relying on educating our employees that they shouldn't come to work sick and, you know, talking to them about how that affects not only them, but their coworkers and the whole site, you know, and everybody else's job. And, uh, and I think the employees have really gotten that and they've, they've, they've taken that to heart and uh, they, they call our nurses and talk to them about if they're sick and they don't come to work. Are, so that's interesting. So, and I see that from a, from a, a, Covestro employee standpoint, you know, he's probably going to get up, he's going to take his temperature. If he can't go to work, he's going to go to work. Uh, on the contractor side, where if I don't go to work, I may not get paid. Is, has that been a struggle with you guys? Is, have you seen, you know, because if I'm a contractor, right, and if I wake up and I, I don't feel really good, but I've got bills to pay and, and I'm like, well, I'll just wear my face covering all day and I'll, I'm going to still go to work. Have you seen that? I mean, are, are most people pretty receptive to it? Actually, everybody's been very receptive to it. I mean, uh, if you know the culture at our site, it's all about caring. I mean, the safety the safety department is really about caring. That's really what is the whole basis of it is has been that way from the beginning. And so when we're talking to the employees. We're talking to them about caring about their fellow employees and even our contractors. I mean, we talk to we, we talk to them in the exact same way, and they realize they're part of the team. And if they come to work, and somehow they transmit it 
and then it gets to our operations and we shut down operations, well, they're not going to get to work either. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's logic and caring. Okay. So you mentioned earlier that you guys have not had any uh, documented transmission of the virus on, on your site. But what if you did? I mean, do you have, obviously, you, you have that, that pandemic plan, right? And you've been changing it. So I imagine that part of that pandemic plan was what if, right? There's so many what if scenarios. What if someone has a confirmed case and was at your site? What, what, what are the, some of the steps that you guys would do as, as a company for that? You mean if there was a transmission on site? Well, let's say that, let's say one of your operators uh, was at work on Friday, or, or let's say he was at work on Tuesday, and then Wednesday he found out he was positive. Oh, okay. So how, how, does, how does the facilities handle yeah. something like that? And, and to your point, it's great you haven't had to deal with this, but obviously you have a plan for that, right? Well, well actually, we have had to deal with it. I mean, people have, uh, people have gotten sick at work. Mm -hmm. uh, some of our employees have been sick. The, the point I was making earlier was there's been no transmission at the workplace. Okay. Okay. So, so if an employee uh, uh, becomes ill or had they've tested positive or if they've had a positive contact, right, outside of work or whatever mm -hmm. what we do is that they call our nurse practitioner nurse practitioner takes all the information does the contact tracing um we'll uh we'll we'll quarantine that person for 14 days we'll quarantine anybody who has had a who has uh had a uh a con that shows up in the contact tracing for 14 days we'll go so far as to actually shut off their badges to keep them from coming in the plant just in case right um and uh, uh, let's see. So you've done all of these precautions. Uh, what what's some of the feedback you're getting? I mean, you you mentioned earlier about the 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 safety being all about caring for your fellow man. And has it been overwhelming positive feedback on all the imp the implementations that you guys have done? You're, you're, you're smiling. So I'm assuming there's been a little bit of pushback. <laughs> Absolutely. I'd say, I'd say for the most part, uh, the employees are very happy that Covestro cares about them enough to actually keep them safe at work. And I've, and I've actually heard that comment that a lot of employees feel safer at work than they do going to the grocery store, or even buying gas. So, uh, they, they're very appreciative of that. Now, a lot of the employees who are sent home, uh, many of them just absolutely hate it. Uh, you know, they don't like working from home. They, the, too many distractions, you know, they're not. Uh, but but I got a lot of employees who actually love working from home. So uh, a little both. Uh, the, uh, the operators who have to be there at the site, they feel like the, they're a little resentful that the other employees get to work from home. They think it's a big vacation, but it's really not. Trust yeah. me, I can tell you. I've done it myself. Um, but uh, then, the, then there's the issue of the mask. You know, no one likes wearing masks. And, uh, and uh, we are following CDC guidelines, and, uh, and the employees think that's, that's uh, too much, and they can't really do their work. And, and, and like you mentioned earlier, I mean, you're out there in that heat and having to wear a mask and then try to do social distancing as well you know, because we require both, uh, it, it can be really tough on them. And uh, I, I really appreciate the, the effort these guys are putting through and then uh, actually gotten to the point where they're now calling out each other. Mm -hmm. I mean, especially now that the cases are rising again. I mean, they really are being very protective of their families and, and, and not wanting to, uh, you know, have somebody else contaminate them. That's good. That's good. Now, 
Unfor- you know, I have a little bit of inside information into your facility because I've obviously worked there. But so I think of uh, I think of the time that I was there. And I think of, you know, we used to all get in back of the trucks and go to the gate and things like that. So all that stuff has, has had to change. Right. Well, they still have to uh, we still have to transport people in the back of the truck, but they're all wearing masks. And, you know, they're all really visible. So when they go by my office, I'm, I'm watching. <laughs> right. Right. And they, they do a really good job. I'm really proud of the, the employees out there, contractors and, and uh, Covestro employees as well. Good. Good. Well, put me in the category of hate working from home because, I, I, you know, I think working from home is one of those things where if, if you if you have a good setup to work from home, it's great. If working from home ends up being in your living room, then if it, and we talked about this on a previous podcast about mental health, is that when your living room becomes your workplace, are you ever really at home anymore, right? So, and it was an interesting conversation I had with Rachel Cooper from the NSC about this. She's like, if your if your laptop is open and it's in your living room or wherever you're at, then that becomes your office. And if your office and your, and your home is the same, there's a, lot of, uh, there's a lot of stress involved with that. So, so to your point, it, it is difficult to, to work from home. Yeah, I have to admit it was, it was hard to close the computer at the end of the day and move into my normal life. Right, right. That's what she's saying. So she was saying that normally when people work, are, are working, you have that drive home where you can kind of decompress and there's a there's an actual uh, uh, divide or a stop and start to a work day. But if it's at your house, there is no divide or stop that's, and start. That's correct. Yes. Uh, so we've heard, I heard this morning coming in on the radio that uh, a vaccine may be available as early as mid-December, obviously. Uh, going to healthcare workers should get it first. But once a vaccine is made available and readily available to the public, I'm sure it's going to be similar to a flu vaccine where it'll be at your pharmacies, Walgreens, clinics, things like that. Do you think it may be something that Covestro requires or encourages? I mean, how, how would you handle that? I mean, if, if I have a vaccine, can I stop wearing facial coverings now? Or how, how would you handle that as, as a facility? Okay, so we're, there will be a strong encouragement for all employees, to, uh, site employees, including our contractors, to take the vaccine. And we won't be able to distribute on site, obviously, because they won't, they won't give it to us to, to do that. Um, but no, no I, don't think, I don't think anybody's going to, CDC or nobody's going to recommend that just because I've had the vaccine, I can take my mask off. Uh, I think everybody still needs to continue doing that until we get to that point where we have enough people vaccinated or, or uh uh, immune that, that that we can no longer have a, a large transmission at that point i think the cdc will recommend that we can take our mask off mm-hmm. and we'll follow those guidelines and do you think we'll ever get there yeah actually i do i think i think uh my opinion is that i think sometime by mid midsummer next year midsummer next year is what you're thinking yeah okay that's great so throughout this whole pandemic dave dr dave what are the three biggest things that we can take away from that you've learned that the facilities, anyone listening to this, I mean, because, you know, the podcast can be listened to. You're talking, we're, of course, we're talking about Covestro, but this, there's probably multiple, maybe even one person that's listening from another facility. What are some of the things that you have learned or that you needed to, to, to be successful through your pandemic plan and implementing all this through through this whole thing, what what are three big takeaways for you? 
Okay. Uh, number one is to be flexible. I mean, uh, the information from the CDC kept changing, and we had a pandemic plan, uh, and so we had to be very flexible in modifying that over and over and over. I think I went through, uh, you know, maybe 15 iterations of it, and it went from a seven-page plan to a 37-page plan. <laughs> But but that was the detail that was needed, you know, and, and I think when uh, if this ever happens again in the future, I've got a good plan. But you got to be flexible. So you got to you got to go with the flow of information that comes to you. Uh, secondly, I'd say allow each department to do what they're supposed to do. So we had a, we put together a task force on our site and it, and it had all sorts of members from every every group, not just HSE. And um, and uh, one of the most important ones was uh, procurement. So uh, we worked with our por corporate procurement group to maintain our pandemic supplies, our disinfectants and wipes and, and sprays and all that stuff, uh, hand sanitizer. And we actually stayed ahead the whole time. We actually always had enough for our employees so that they could keep their workplaces disinfected because we allowed, we didn't go out and try to do that on our own. We allowed them to do that for us. Mm -hmm. and, and ship it to us. Um, lastly, I'd say just most importantly here is really document. So, you know, uh, uh, keep the plan up to date, keep it documented. Uh, uh, when we do, when we do have positive cases, document those, uh, document any potential for uh, transmission of that uh, uh, the virus at the site and make sure you put that in the medical record so that if there is ever a potential for uh, an OSHA case that we had the background for it right so yeah documentation is very important here okay I think yeah I think of those three all of them are, are very important but that number one you hit on being flexible I mean just when you think about how, you know, what, what you have referred to earlier is the new normal right now, uh, we couldn't see any of this happening, you know, last year at this time, no, right? Not at all. And, and it's, it's, been, it's been a learning, and, uh, learning curve for all of us uh, trying to get there. Well, uh, is there any final thoughts that you'd like to give? No, not really. <laughs> you hit me up with that one. <laughs> well, good. Uh, well, thank you for uh, uh, coming and spending some time with us to talk about this. This is very informative. I think uh, uh, congratulations to Covestro for all the things that, uh, that you guys have been successful with and doing. And, and I hope that if there's another person out there listening to this podcast, maybe there's something that they can take from this. Because that's what this is all about, right? The whole purpose of of Hask and the whole purpose of of this podcast is to share that 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 information and if there's anything that someone has a question about if they if they want to know something about that uh, obviously uh, they could get in touch with you at Covestro uh, you're 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 involved in TCC and in uh, East Harris County Manufacturers Association uh, so they can obviously reach you and, and and contact you if they want to follow up and get some more information Sure, absolutely. I'd love to. I'd love to help anybody I can. I mean, that's that's, that's again that's part of the caring, right? So if, if anybody would like to contact me, you can call. You can uh, write me at david.womack at covestro.com. Excellent. Well, thanks, David. I appreciate your time, and uh, we'll see you next time. All right. Thanks, Remember, Bob. everyone, stay safe.